For those who are meeting me for the first time, my name is Deacon Kevin Snell. And I was just going to share with you this morning just a brief testimony about what God, how, why I give him the honor, glory, and praise that he truly deserves. Um, for most of you all who know, I, I've been a part of this ministry for about eight years now. It's been eight years this year. And I started when they had a, something called a True Love Wait Session. And when I went, I was thinking to myself, oh, it's not going to be all what it's cracked up to be. I debated back and forth, debating whether or not I wanted to go, thinking whether or not uh, they're not going to talk about much. They're going to be too shy and everything. And when I went, I found out that I ended up asking more questions and, you know, just being more involved than most of the people that were there. And I figured I thought they would be saying more because they've been in church their whole life. While for me, you know, I've been experiencing it here and there, but I was thinking, oh, it's not that... You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that serious. But when I went and I saw how the questions were answered using the word of God, it blew me away. Because I never really thought the Bible was that deep. I just thought it was a book that you, you know, you went through it from Genesis to Revelation. So then when people can ever say, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I read the Bible. Like, you know, you read magazines and everything like that. No one ever taught me about studying the word, actually applying it to your life. So what I, after that moment, I came to the Disciples of Christ Outreach Ministry, and from then on, I started growing in the Word. But the reason why I started growing is because one thing I always notice, and you see today, even with Christianity, it gets a bad name. I was one of those people, too, who pointed the finger at Christians and said, oh, you're all hypocrites, you're not living it, you know. You go on Sundays, you go on Wednesday nights, or whenever time they have an event. But most of the people I've seen, you know, they're quick to tell you or lose their religion as soon as you push the right or wrong buttons. So I said to myself, Lord, then, you know, how is this supposed to be? How is it supposed to turn out? He told me that I'm going to use you along with others to show people how it's supposed to be done. Now, it's not to say I'm definitely not Jesus. I'm, I'm following the same uh, premise that Paul said where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Christ was our example. He died on the cross for our sins. And he led a lifestyle for us to model that even though we're in a different time, even though we have technology, we're able to see things and witness in areas that even the disciples then, if they had that ability then, there's no telling what they would have been able to done, do. But it's amazing because he said, I've given the charge to you to do it. So it just lets me know, instead of me pointing the finger at people and saying, well, you know, they're, they're holy hypocrites, so to speak. He's saying, you show them how it's supposed to be done. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make faults. But it lets me know to extend the same love and the same grace and mercy that was first shown to me to others. So I always encourage people with my testimony and how I praise God. I always praise them this way. Instead of asking God, why am I going through these trials and tribulations? I ask him, why did he allow me to be blessed? I've been married now to a, a loving wife for eight years. I have two beautiful girls. So for all of you all who have sons, I keep my eyes on all of them. I'm watching you all. So be mindful because I am watching. But it lets, me, it, 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 it lets people know that instead of me always focusing on, you know, the, the trials and the tribulations, like, Lord, you blessed me with a beautiful wife. You blessed me with a job, even this, the, the time of recession, uh, recession in the economy. You know, you blessed me were many different things that I could easily say, you could have done it any other way, but you decided to keep me. 
So allow me to show that to others and saying it's not the guarantee that if you come to Christ, all of a sudden you're going to get all of these things. But the things that he gives you, the joy, the peace, the love that the world can't give you and the Lord, the world can't take away is the thing that I constantly try to extend to others. So may you all be blessed. And I now turn it back over to our wonderful choir. May God bless you. Amen. This morning we are blessed to be partnering with DOCOC. They are the Disciples of Christ, the DOC part, Outreach Church part, and they are from Southeast Washington, just on the outside of Maryland. We both share a mandate to make disciples. They make disciples in Southeast DC, and we make disciples here. When Kevin was a student at Grace College, he was making disciples even then. One of his disciples was our youth pastor, Eric Miller. And before after Kevin was a student there, at Grace, he and his family were part of our mother church, the Grace Brethren Church of Greater Washington, and many poured into their lives there. You could say that Kevin first began his journey there at their mother church. Kevin has been faithful to the mandate of going out into the streets and reaching into the neighborhoods and making friendships with the students and trying to do some good in the neighborhood and help people taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. This psalm is called a Hillel psalm. It begins and ends with praise the Lord. It's easy to lose the song of our heart. It's easy to focus on the negative. It's easy to get consumed with the problems of this world. We have to learn how to keep our soul happy. We don't have to focus on the attributes of God and to offload our burdens. This psalm begins with, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Praise the Lord for his bountiful goodness. Praise the Lord for his amazing grace. Praise the Lord for his tender mercies. Praise the Lord that he is sovereign over all the affairs of mankind. Praise the Lord that he is all-powerful. And he's aware of every situation. He's able to help us. And he is present with us. Praise the Lord. I pray there will come a day in your heart, in your life, when you are so filled with the knowledge of God that you simply will praise him, for he is worthy. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise him from my innermost being. It's one thing to praise the Lord with just words. It's quite another to praise the Lord from the soul. Out of our union and communion with God, our soul becoming full, we praise the Lord. We get so full, we just can't keep it in. Or we get so empty, we've got to take him in. We get so happy, we just got to let it out. <laughs> or we get so sad... Our soul just needs to lament in the presence of the Lord. One woman, she was asked, I heard about her, she was asked, how are you? She said, I am just too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> I am just too blessed to be stressed. So I like the resolve of this psalmist. I will praise the Lord all the days of my life. I will sing praise to the Lord as long as I live. I don't know how many years the Lord will give me, but while I am here, I will praise the Lord. How about you? I can't tell how long my life will be, but I can tell you this, I'm going to praise the Lord. 
While I live, I'm going to love the Lord. And while I breathe, I'm going to bless the Lord. And while I have my being here, with my being, I will praise the Lord. And when he takes me home, I'm going to praise him forever. <laughs> what had happened was, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. And they were re rebuilding the temple. And now they could enter his courts with praise. They could enter his gates with thanksgiving. And the resolve of the psalmist was, I'm going to praise the Lord. There's much to thank God for. Verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. For when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. The very centerpiece of the Bible is Psalm 118 and verse 8. And this is what it says. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Here is a rather strong warning from the psalmist. Do not put your trust in princes. Do not put your trust in the powerful ones, the one with the high position, the one who has all the clout, the one with all the connections, the one that has the power to make decisions about the money. The politicians will make promises to you. They will promise to make government bigger. They will promise to make government smaller. They'll promise to make government work. They will promise to provide national health care. They'll promise to repeal national health care. They'll promise to keep the entitlements. They'll promise to reduce the entitlements. They'll promise to cut taxes. They'll promise to impose taxes on the upper 2%. They'll promise to curtail earmarks. They'll promise to keep the earmarks. <laughs> but here's something no politician can do. No politician can save you. And no politician can save the United States of America. No president, no king, no prime minister can save. Because salvation is reserved for one person and one person only. He's bigger than Barack Obama. He's bigger than George Bush. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is the savior of all mankind. Our God is not Republican, our God is not Democrat, but our God can save the Republicans and save the Democrats. He can save the publicans and the sinners, right? The Republicans and the sinners, as my Democrats friends would say. <laughs> so listen to this promise from Jeremiah chapter 17. It's one you need to know. This is what the Lord says. It's not what ours says, it's what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the living Lord. He will like, be like a bush in the wastelands and dwell in the parched places in the desert. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out by the stream, who does not fear when the heat comes, has no worries in the year of drought, you see, to trust the man is like to live in the barren wasteland. But to trust in the Lord is like to be in the orchard where the fruit always is growing. It's better to trust in the Lord. A politician is only here for a little while. And when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. The word there for ground is the word Adama in Hebrew. It's a play on words from Adam. Adam was taken from the earth, and Adam returned also to the earth. And when a spirit of a man leaves, he goes to be with the Lord, right? The spirit goes. 
So when a person's spirit leaves them, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is the Lord our God, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, and he remains faithful forever. Blessed is a person whose help is in the Lord their God, who looks to help from God. That's the cry of the student, Lord, help me. That's the cry of the patient in the hospital, Lord, help me. That's the cry of the person dealing with the insurance company, Lord, help me. That's the person dealing with taxes, Lord, help me. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes unto the Lord. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, Isaiah said, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am thy God. And I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It is the Lord, the maker of heaven and heaven and earth, that can help you. You see, if the Lord made the heavens, the Lord can send some help down from the heavens. If the Lord made the heavens, he can prepare a place for us in heaven. If the Lord made the earth, he can sustain them upon the earth. If the Lord made the sea and everything inside the sea, the salmon, the tilapia, the shrimp, (laughs) he can help us on the troubled waters on the sea. He can calm the waters on the sea. He is the maker of heaven, the maker of earth and the sea and everything inside of them. And he is faithful forever. The Lord is our help. The Lord is our hope. You see, (laughs) we've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that hope is the anchor of our soul. Blessed is the person whose hope is in God. You see, he's the God of Jacob. Jacob was a man who was all alone. He did not have a wife. And he had gone searching for one. And he laid his head down one night, put a stone as his pillow, and he had a dream. He saw a ladder resting upon earth, ascending up toward the heavens. And there on that ladder were angels ascending and angels descending. He saw the angels coming and the angels going, the angels visiting with man and going back to heaven, sent on a mission from God. And the Lord said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, And I will make your descendants as numerous as the sand on the sea. And I will bring your people from the north and south and east and west. And I will return you to this land and I am with you. What Jacob learned that day was that God is with him and God wanted to bless him. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God who's faithful forever. So show the faithfulness of God. He begins in verse 7 to describe how faithful God is. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. God is not on the side of the oppressor. God is on the side of the oppressed. And he gives food to the hungry. If there ever were a people oppressed in our world, it's down in Haiti. The Lord is not on the side of the oppressor. I've been there twice. I've seen the oppression, seen the poverty people that has been rocked with an earthquake and most recently with cholera. But the Lord is the friend to the downtrodden. He's the helper of the helpless. 
God does some of his best work through his people. I learned this week about a mission trip that went down to Haiti. We plan to go back, go there in um, the spring of this year. And some uh, grandmothers in Iowa learned about this. They went on this mission trip down to Haiti and discovered that girls in Haiti are ten times more likely to suffer sexual abuse if they do not have a dress. That is to say, they're ten times more likely not to suffer sexual abuse if they're dressed well, if they wear a dress. So the grandmas heard about this in Iowa and founded a nonprofit corporation, Dress a Girl Around the World. You can look it up online. Dress a Girl Around the World. They're sewing pillowcase dresses for these precious little girls down in Haiti. And to date, they have delivered 12,116 of them. They're forming clubs throughout our country and giving instructions online how to sew these pillowcase dresses. I think I could even learn how to do this. They're giving dignity to those born in poverty. I can't imagine a little girl who's never worn a dress before. And she sits at the very bottom of her society. She feels valueless, as if there's no voice speaking out on her behalf. And somebody loves her enough to make her address and send her address to show her the love of Jesus. The Lord upholds the cause of the oppressed, and he gives food to the hungry. In your Bible, if you have one, in Luke chapter 9, we see what Jesus Christ did with the hungry. It reads in verse 10 that the disciples returned and they reported what they had done. Apparently what had happened was it suffered a great loss, a great tragedy. The greatest man born under women, John the Baptist, had been beheaded, martyred for his faith. They came back to tell Jesus about this, and he took them away to a remote place, to a lonely place, to get some R&R. They were exhausted. They were grieving. They were lamenting. And they went to a place known as Bethsaida, it's where the Jordan River kind of meets the Sea of Galilee. And the crowd learned about this, and they followed him. And Jesus welcomed them. I love that part. That when Jesus saw the multitude, he welcomed them. Even though he was exhausted and grieving himself, he welcomed the people. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Now, wherever you see the kingdom of God in Scripture, you will see healings and deliverance. You'll see justice and righteousness. You'll see joy and you'll see peace. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus came forth to bring the kingdom, the rule of God to mankind. And he healed those who needed healing. There were those with crutches that came, that went away walking. There were those who were blind who went away seeing. There were those who were unable to hear, and now they began to hear for the first time. And late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away. <laughs> They'd had enough of the people. they had enough of the multitude. They'd been with them all day long, taking care of the multitude, healing their sick, preaching the kingdom of God, showing compassion to people. And now the disciples were worn out. 
<laughs> and they said, send them away to find some lodging, some food somewhere else. Send them away, Jesus, so they can go to Panera and find some food. Send them away, Jesus, so they can get their lodging at the Holiday Inn Express. Send them away. Get them out of here. We've had enough of the peoples. Send them away. We got this idea. You send them away and get rid of the people. But Jesus had another idea. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. He looked at the vast multitude. They'd been with him all day long, out there in the hot sun. They hadn't brought with them their food. They had nothing to eat. They were on the very bottom of the social scale, if you will. They'd come out for their towns and cities to be with Jesus. And Jesus was speaking about the kingdom. And he said to them, you give them something to eat. There's a mandate to the church to be concerned about the well-being of others, to feed those hungry children. Can a hungry belly baby ever come to Jesus? In Africa, they will say, the cries of the people are the calling to the church. And Jesus looked out on the crowd and had compassion over them and said, give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, the disciples had been with the people, and one of them named Andrew had found a little boy, and he had five loaves and two fish. But he said, what are these with a crowd this large? <laughs> Not enough for everybody to have a bite. In fact, ten or eight months' wages is not enough to feed this kind of crowd. You see, they were living in the physical. They were relying upon their own resources. They didn't know how rich they were. They didn't know how rich their Father in Heaven was. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. If just one person in that crowd had faith to ask God, God could have multiplied those loaves and fishes. But there was not one among them with the faith to believe that their Heavenly Father could take care of that crowd. There wasn't one who believed. So Jesus took those five loaves, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed those loaves. And he began to break them, and they began to be multiplied. They multiplied and multiplied and multiplied, and then they had the people sit down in groups. And they fed them each one until they were satisfied. They were hungry. And now the people were satisfied. And then the people want to make him king. <laughs> because Jesus knew the power and the wealth of his father. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of people in our community who are very poor. And the economy has been very cruel to some. We intend this Thanksgiving time to distribute 45 baskets. 25 to go to people who are here, 10 to go with Kevin's church, and 10 to go out into our community. Perhaps we'll have a greater supply. It costs about $15 to buy the stuff for a Thanksgiving basket. And then we put $15 inside the basket for a gift card for a turkey. And you may want this Christmas to bless somebody and simply go to the store and buy the stuff that goes inside the basket. We'll tell you about it outside. Or buy some $15 uh, gift cards. 
You can designate this just Thanksgiving baskets. Or you can go and buy some green beans or some mashed potatoes or some stuffing, some cranberry jelly stuff. (laughs) You can just bless somebody. Pastor Kevin's going to apply some of these truths to you in just a moment, but at Thanksgiving, they invite the community into their church to have a Thanksgiving feast. You know, there's people in his community without a home, and the church has become their home. There's people living in a very barren place. The church has become the oasis. There's people dealing with all kinds of stuff, and the church has become the refuge. So when we finish up here, we're going to talk to you about giving to make Thanksgiving feasts happen down there in D.C., and then also to uh, meet some of the needs of the church. But the Lord gives food to the hungry. And he does that through his people. And the Lord sets the prisoners free. Hmm. How many prisoners are there? They aren't free. And the Lord sets them free from their prison. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, (laughs) to set free the captives, and release to those who are in prison. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Whatever prison you are in, whatever prison you find somebody in, the Lord can set you free. There was a man we talked about last week. He himself, he said he drank more alcohol than there was sea, there was water in the ocean. And the Lord set him free from that addiction. And he had a little coin inside his pocket. Reminded him of his sobriety. And he gave that coin away and he said, The Lord has delivered me. And whenever he is tempted, he touches that coin. He reminds himself, The Lord has set him free. The Lord has delivered him. And he gave that coin away saying, The very same God who delivered me can deliver you. And don't you forget, the Lord sets the captives free. And the Lord gives sight to the blind. We read about Jesus when he was walking through Jerusalem. He saw a man there who was born blind. He had never seen. Living in darkness. Now, the disciples wanted to have a theological debate about this man. (laughs) Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Believing that his blindness was a judgment for his parents' sin. The disciples wanted to have a theological debate about this man. They wanted to judge him and criticize him. Here was a man who had never seen the sunlight filter through his bedroom window. Here's a man who had never seen his mother's face. Here's a man who had never seen the glory of the autumn leaves. He'd never seen the green grass grow in the spring. He'd never seen a glorious sunset in his life. And the disciples were arguing, debating about who sinned, this man or his parents, who was born blind. And Jesus said, This happened to display the works of God in his life. For while I am in this world, I must do the work of him who sent me. And I am the light of this world. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus spit on the ground. Don't you like the fact that Jesus spit? He was a real man. And he took the clay and mixed it with the spittle. And he made mud. And he put the mud to the man's eye. And he said, go, you wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, many times in healing, 
There's a part that God does, and there's a part that God will require us also to do. The Lord will set you free from pornography, but there's going to be a part you're going to have to do. The Lord will set you free from alcohol, but there's a part you're going to have to do also. The Lord will set you free from whatever addiction, but there's a part required also of you. So Jesus put the mixture to his eye. Then he said, you go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when the man went away and washed, (laughs) he came home seeing. For the first time in his life, he could see. He could see his mother's face. Now, do you think the man was sort of like ho-hum about all of this? Like, I went down to Jerusalem, sat around for a little while. Someone put some mud to my eye, and now I can see Or do you think he said, I can see? He was like jumping up and down, rejoicing that the Lord gave him some sight to his sight. And when the Lord gives sight to your eyes, you begin seeing things you've never seen before. (laughs) There's this fire and enthusiasm that starts running through your soul. I once was callous, but now I'm compassionate, right? I once was fearful, but now I'm free. I once was in bondage, but the Lord has set me free. Here was a man who could see things, spiritual things, for the first time in his life. And the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Anybody carrying a heavy load this morning? Anybody got a weight on their shoulders? Anybody walking through life with just something you just can't carry? A burden that's just weighing you down? The Lord lifts off those burdens to those who are bowed down. For the Lord loves the righteous. <laughs> you know how much God loves you? <laughs> his tender affections towards you? That you are his beloved? <laughs> that you're his child? That he sings over you? He dances over you? He rejoices over you? The Lord loves the righteous. He delights in you. And the Lord watches over the alien, the foreigner. <laughs> Those recently come to a country. And sustains the fatherless and the widow. This is pure and undefiled religion to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Down in Kevin's territory, there's a lot of young men growing up without a father. There's a lot of women without a husband. When Jesus encountered a man who did not, a young man who had actually perished, his mother was a widow, and now she lost her only son. Jesus felt compassion for her, and he told her not to cry in the midst of this funeral. Then he touched coffin. And he said, young man, get up. And the young man came back to life. And the people said, the Lord has come to help his people. You see, the Lord sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Our God, O Zion, for all generations. I would say that Kevin is here because of the faithfulness of our God and the faithfulness of his mom and dad. Come on, Kevin, say a word about what's happening down there in DOCOC. We want to hear. All right. Welcome, Kevin, on back. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to thank you for having us. And uh, we... I agree with Deaconess Brittany. We feel like we're home and we're here. Ten years ago, God laid upon my heart and a few others who are here today to open the doors of a new outreach ministry, Disciples Outreach Ministry. 
a ministry that has a desire to touch the needs and the hearts of those in, in our community in need. This passage of scripture speaks volumes to us as the people of faith. The ecclesia, the bride of Christ, to live in our praise. What is praise? Well, praise is making God known. Praise is lifting up our voices and shouting unto the earth that Jesus is Lord. We serve a God that rose from the dead with all power in his hands. That's not just news. That's good news. Amen. We praise him because he is. I will praise the Lord all my life. I owe my life, my anointing to a testimony. A testimony that changed the direction of our family. My father got saved. My mom gave their lives to the Lord. And as a result of them giving their lives to the Lord, six of us, five boys and a girl, were saved by the salvation and grace of Christ, through Christ Jesus. God saw fit to deliver my father, and as a result, the family's direction was changed. Amen? His testimony is my testimony. Your testimony is my testimony. Someone down the line had to open up their mouth and give praise to God. And as a result, you're here today. If it were not for the grace of God, where would you be today? We must learn to live in praise. Ten years ago, I decided to just walk in faith. We moved to a location where the demographics were, 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 were the basic income was under $25,000. Majority of the family members in the homes were single-parent homes. Problems in the community. And as the pastor said earlier, the system seemed to fail. People put their trust in man, and man failed. People put their trust in drugs, and drugs failed. Come on, somebody. People put their, their trust in money, and money failed. And now they're downcast, and they're out, and they don't know what to do. And they look to God, but all they see around them is the problem and not the promise. That's why the word says, go into the world and preach the gospel. How can someone who has no God in them find God unless someone goes out and shares the message that Jesus can touch their situation? So we walked in faith, didn't have resources, didn't have the finances, didn't have the people. We had four or five adults and 30 to 40 teenagers and children coming in every Sunday. Children who couldn't pay a tithe and offering. So many of the adults who were coming through the door, they were downcast and had issues in their lives. Thank God for those who were the foundation members who gave their resources and time and finances to stabilize this ministry. And we looked every week, every month and said, how can we meet the need if we can't pay the rent? We can't meet the bills. We looked at our membership, and we couldn't understand how we would be able to, 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 to live in a ministry that can't provide because we became what the community represented. But God saw fit 10 years to stabilize and keep us moving because we put our trust, as the pastor said, not in man. Not in man. There were many people came to our side and said, we'll stay with you. But when the storms of life came, they dropped us fast. 
But many people came into church and joined and said, we'll stay with you. But when they looked around and they saw that we didn't have the PowerPoint and we didn't have the nice cathedral ceilings and we didn't have the nice seats to sit in and we didn't have the comfort of all the things that they were looking for in the church, they moved away. But as Pastor said earlier, put your faith, your trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as a result of putting my faith and our faith in God, God brought alongside to us people who would anchor us. And they weren't just people on a human level of relationship, but God-fearing folk who looked at and, and saw the God in them and said, God is allowing us to move on your behalf, to aid you and pick you up where you fall, pick you up where you're weak. And I thank God for Pastor R in this church. Because when all else seemed to fall, Pastor says, we're here for you. The last years, we, we've looked at our situation and we said, how can we continue to meet the needs of this community when we can't see ourselves through month to month? There were times in the mail when a, uh, when a support would come in and it was just in the nick of time. Just the right amount to get us to another month. God has been a way maker in times of trouble. God has been a heavy load lifter when we couldn't carry the weight on our shoulders. So this passage of scripture speaks volumes to me and it should speak volumes to you as the ecclesia, the bride of Christ, to stand up and be counted as righteousness for such a time as this. If we've ever needed the Lord before, as the song says, we sure do need him now. The passage of scripture that resonates with me is in verses 3 and 4. Do not put your trust in the princes of mortal men. And they city where our children are suffering. Many of the schools don't have good books. Most of our children, many of these schools, they're, they're walking around, don't have book bags and don't have breakfast in the morning. How can you study and show yourself approved if you're hungry in class? How can you go to school and become something powerful as a man or woman of God and your mom is absent, your father's in prison, or something's going on in your situation where you're, you're awake all night worried about how you're going to make, make it through another day, let alone go to school to a dysfunctional system? I'm talking to someone. And so we had to stand in the gap when there were churches and politicians and all folk around us who could help. We had to stand in the gap and say, let's do some things that will help our community. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. Over the last 10 years, we've seen hundreds of lives change for the Christ Jesus. The passage of Scripture says in verse 5, Blessed is the help of the God of Jacob, the maker of heaven and earth. God has helped us see that our focus must be on the creator, not the created things. Our focus must be on the God who said, let there be. Because God is the one who ordains our steps. And God is the one who's moved us for such a time as this. And I believe in my heart, if God has called you to a ministry, he's planted you, he will bring forth the provisions to see you through. It may not be what you want, but it will be just what you need. And I can tell you that faith grows. Faith is a process that moves us to new hope. The part of this passage of scripture that hit hard for me as I was studying this passage was starting at verse 7. Just before that, it says, the Lord remains faithful forever. And because he's faithful, we're able to stand in the midst of the storm. It says 
He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. How could we start a ministry with youth and families that were hungry at times and didn't have the resources to give to a local ministry, but we wanted to give them Jesus? The goal was to seek and save those who were lost, but as the story is told this morning in Luke 9, how can you talk to someone about Jesus and their stomachs growling? Maybe Jesus, through you, will feed them and they'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord. So what my mom did years ago, we started feeding our, our church and we, we become a church of food. <laughs> we eat all the time. Uh, yes, yeah, amen. <laughs> it's called Cornelia, the breaking of bread. There was one time we couldn't get into the building, the school that we were, we were in, holding our services, and my mom had prepared this meal of lasagna and string beans and, and all kinds of food, and we thought we would have to go home. She said, nope, let's just feed the folk in the church outside from the back of her truck. And it was the most beautiful thing. I, I, every time I'm discouraged, I think about that time and how she went behind the, the truck, opened up the hood, and just started serving folks. Say, hey, this is thy daily bread. For someone, that was their meal that evening. And we didn't allow the debt which discouraged us to have us pack our bags and leave. This passage of Scripture speaks to us and says that God will help the oppressed. How does he do that? Well, he still does that through fueling the ministry. I thank God that I've never been to Haiti, but I tell you something, when that calamity happened, our church, we, we were able to put what little we had and send it to the Red Cross. I know I probably would never get there, but I'll tell you something, I've been there because God allowed us to take the, what little we had and help someone else's ministry there in Haiti. I may never get a chance to go to the Middle East or Africa, but God will help me send something, some type of support or prayer to the region so that folk who are engaged in ministry will be able to say, hey, you know what? We're feeling the impact, so you're really there. You may never have the opportunity to walk in the inner city streets of Washington, D.C., or knock on doors or see folk that come into the church who really need Christ Jesus, but you have been there. Your support, your love, your prayers, your encouragement has been there. And we thank God for you. Feed the hungry. And so what we did now was we, we opened up our church every Thanksgiving and we would start doing Thanksgiving baskets. Some years, like this year, we thought we weren't able to do the baskets that we wanted to do because the resources were so low. But once again, the phone rang and our friends were here at our help and say, hey, God is moving in our lives. We want to be a blessing to you. And I said to our church, this is an example of faithfulness. I say it every week. Do not allow that which you see to impact the vision that God has for you. We may be a small ministry, but God will give you a huge outreach when you walk by faith and not by sight. We're connected because we understand that God is larger than what we can see. The Lord sets the prisoners free and he gives sight to the blind. As pastor said, there are so many people who have been lost and were blind, but through the grace and mercy of ministry, it's amazing to see them beginning to reach and study and show themselves approved. My passion is ministry, just not inner city ministry, but my passion is to see lives change for the glory of God. Just a few days ago, a young lady called the church, and I missed the phone call, and so I was able to give her a call in the evening. It was a young girl who was in our youth group years ago. She was a teenager. Her and her brother lost their father to drugs, 
inner city violence. And I had to step in the role to be a brother to the brotherless, a friend to the friendless, a father to the fatherless. And I was there for her from 13 on up to her adult age. And now she calls, she says, Pastor Kevin, I am now finished with college. I just wanted to give you an update. I'm a social worker in D.C., inner city, and I'm doing the very thing that you did years ago in my life. I'm helping people get out of some serious mess. And I just wanted to call and let you know I love you and I praise God for you. And, and you know, it hit me hard. Because sometimes we get discouraged by what we don't see. But this young lady, she's not in our church, but she just picked the phone up and she said, it's because the seed that you sowed in my life when I lost my father that I'm able now to stand and give an account of who God is in my life and not give in and not give up. And I thank God that there are countless stories of our young people growing up in the ministry and being what God called them to be. The last part I want to share with you is that it's time for the church to stand up and be called righteous. The Bible says that the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. As I close, I'm going to ask Brother Reggie to come forward real quick and give a brief testimony. His son came to our church first, but then he brought his whole family to our ministry. And I'm going to close with this testimony here. God bless you, Brother Reggie, as you come. I'm a U.S. Capitol Police officer. So I see a lot of things in D.C., things that sometimes hurt me to my heart. Um, Back in October of 2004, my wife and I were looking for a church. And, of course, you know, like most people, we went to the big church. And, you know, I mean, they had everything, and they had the plush seats, and they had the big balconies. And, yeah, it was nice. And the preacher spoke, and he told us all the things that was going on. But we weren't satisfied. Um, the more we looked into it, the more we found out that all they wanted was our money. To be a member, you had to fill out a financial report and disclose all your money so that they could tell you what you owed them for tithes. So I think it was... Uh, my son, he found Pastor Kevin. He used to come home all the time and say, PK did this and PK did that. And I said, PK? Yeah, Pastor Kevin. And he, he taught us this and he taught us that. And he was so excited. Come on, I mean, a junior high school boy excited about going to church? I mean, instead of, you know, out with his friends in the street. But I don't know, being a police officer, I was kind of leery. So now he came home one day and said, Mom and Dad, I want you to come to church. I'm joining the church. And I said, joining the church? My son, joining the church? Okay, we'll go up and see what's going on. My son's joining the church. We're going to support him because you've got to support a child who's telling you that he's found Jesus Christ. He's found the Lord. Come on. You cannot tell him that, no, you're not interested. So we went. I sat in 
one of the seats and saw PK and I said, ooh, mighty young pastor. <laughs> and, he, and he got my son all enthused. So I'm sitting there, yeah, okay. Tell me what you gotta tell me. Let me see what all this is about so I can go on home. The more I looked at this young man and the more I heard him speak, the more enthused I got. My wife did too. So it wasn't the big church, it was a small church. So it drew us in. It drew us in. And my arms got unfolded and I was all in for it. Big churches, you can't do that. You know, you can't feel the spirit and show it. No. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. December came, and I had already made up my mind. My birthday was December 6th. I was going to join the church. Every Sunday, he would invite people up, join the church. December 6th came around. I'm ready to join the church. And he didn't invite anybody. Uh-uh. I wasn't letting him get away with that. Uh-uh. So just about as things ended, I said, excuse me? You forgot something. He said, what is that? I said, you didn't open up the invitation to the church. I want to join. And I've been there. And he must have saw something in me because after a while he asked me to become a deacon. And I said, Pastor Kevin, as much as I love you, that's not where I want to go. I said, you know what? I'll sit in the background, I'll take some pictures and you know, do a little video of the service and then we can spread that around. His mouth gaped open and he said, you know, that's just what I was looking for. So God sends you where you're needed and he answers prayers, answers his prayer because he was looking for something like this, answered my prayer because I could do something for the church that I wanted to give. Amen. And ever <laughs> since then, we've been together. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I do want to thank you for having us this morning, and God bless you.